So you guys ready for tonight's title? You know, you always get weird stuff when you get something at the last minute, I'm telling you. Because I, I sent up a prayer, and this is what God told me to talk about today. So this is for somebody. Not sure who, but here's my, here's my title. It's to be strong and courageous, which is to confess your sins before it's too late or discovered. So think that through. I'm going to make you chew on it tonight. So we're going to look into some scripture. We're going to read up some cool stuff. Katie, you want to bring up 1 Samuel chapter 12? Um, just, a, just a little precursor to this. We're talking about David. And, and don't bring it up yet, but be, have it ready. So, be, what? 1 Samuel 12, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1 through 23. I don't know if I'm going to read it all. We're going to read some of it. But uh, so, so this, what, what took place was, is you got a king who a few weeks back, Isaac told us about David, how David was strong and courageous. And, and he slayed Goliath, right? With a stone, a pebble, <laughs> killed him. Yet he had courage to go stand up to him. And he was a mighty man of valor. And so at a certain point, you know, he, had, he stopped running from Saul and he became king. And then they went out and they took over the land. And he was a warrior. I mean, when, when he was out fighting for Saul, it said that Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands, tens of thousands. I mean, that's how men... How many, that's how mighty of a, a warrior David was. But at a certain point in his life as a king, it says that at the time of year where the kings went out to war, David sent out Joab and he stayed behind. Boo. Exactly. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't do what was expected of him in relation to kings or in battle or in war, he took a siesta and he let his eyes wander. So it said he went out one night, he couldn't sleep. And he went out on his balcony and he looked over and he saw a beautiful lady naked bathing. Boo. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, this is in the Bible, I'm telling you. God doesn't hide anything. He knows everything that occurs. You can't hide anything from him. We're, we're going we're gonna to look at Psalm 139, but in one Psalm 139, it says, you can't even go into the darkness to hide from God because he even sees in the darkness. There, there's nothing you can do to hide from God. And, and David was out on the roof doing what he shouldn't have done, and then he looked at her and he kept looking at her. And he sent one of his mighty men to ask her to come to the palace. And he's, yeah, boo. I mean, you guys should all be booing. I mean, thank you. Thank you just for sound effects. I mean, because it's, if you think about it, he was a king. He had, I think, three wives by then, at least three. Yeah. And... And here he is looking at a beautiful woman and, 
he let his eyes wander and he invited her up. And so guess what? You know, after he slept with her, guess what happened? Gets a knock on the door. Bathsheba comes back to the palace and says, uh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So David, instead of being the noble man that he should have been, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, there's a verse in Scripture that's in 1 Samuel chapter 13. You don't have to pull it up. But basically it says this. David was a man after God's own heart. God wrote that. David was a man after God's own heart. Yet, he let his eyes wander. So, so what I'm saying is, is if it happened to David, it could happen to anybody. I'm just saying that. And, and that's why we got to have our eyes open. And we got to have our ears on and, and keep being in the spirit. Being in the spirit so that you don't fall. Because even David fell. I mean, and if you think about it, he should have went, I just sinned. I made a woman pregnant. Not only did I commit adultery, now she's pregnant. Not what I do. Well, what a lot of people do is they just, they sweep it up under and put it under a rug. And that's what he tried to do. David tried to do that. Guess, guess what he did? He, uh, he thought, oh, I got to cover this up somehow. So he sent a message to Joab and he says, bring Uriah. Now Uriah was a mighty man of valor. He's listed in one of the lists of mighty men of valor, one of the top 10. Um, he was, a, he was a, a big bad warrior. And uh, David says, bring Uriah back. I want a report. So Uriah comes back and he comes before the king and he gives him a report of what's going on in the war. And then David says, thanks. Go back home. Enjoy, enjoy some time home and then you can go back after a couple days. Thinking... He'd sleep with his wife, and then when he went back to war, when he came home, he'd find out his wife is pregnant. It'd be his, right? Because he's been gone for a couple months, right, or a month or so. So anyway, um, Uriah was, he was an honest man. He was, he was a man who loved God too. And he didn't feel, I mean, it's what you would call honorable, he didn't feel it was right that he went and slept with his wife while all the other guys were at battle. So he didn't go home and sleep with his wife. He says, no, I can't do that. That'd be wrong because everybody else is out fighting for the country and fighting for God. Why, can I, why, why should I be able to, do, to enjoy that? I'm, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> so he stayed at the palace with the other soldiers that were staying there instead of going home with his wife. David says, well, this plan isn't working. Instead of confessing his sins, he says, well. So he brings him in and has him for dinner the next night. Gets him drunk and then tells him to go home. <laughs> I mean, think about this. This is crazy when you think about it. And then he gets him drunk and he says, no, I'm not going to go sleep with my wife. So David says, this ain't good. So he wrote a letter. How am I going to do it? I'm going to have to get rid of Uriah. So he's writes a letter to Joab and says, take Uriah, send him out, go do a battle in front of a city, take him up to the gate, and then pull back and let him get killed. 
Think about that. How, I mean, you got to think about that. That's where your mind goes once you give in to sin. And once you don't deal with it appropriately, your mind just goes deeper and farther and deeper and farther away from God. And he wasn't even thinking about God in all of this. And then they did that, and they pulled it out. And then he gets a letter back from, from uh, um, Joab that says, yep, we went and did battle at this city, and we had to pull back, and Uriah was killed. So David felt bad for his wife. So he thought, I'll be noble. I'll, I'll make her my wife. So he brings her in, covers up his sin, but makes her his wife. Oh, everything's hunky-dory now, right? No. No. Katie, you want to pull that up? Because guess what happens? God knew. He saw it. And God has prophets. There's prophets today that are speaking God's word, and this is what it said. <laughs> we in the right one? No, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 12. That doesn't look right. Because it shouldn't be Samuel. Let me see. Maybe it's 2 Samuel. Hold on. Yes. Second Samuel, I blew it. Wow. I did this last night, probably around 10 o'clock, so bear with me. So anyway, here he is. Nathan, it says, comes, it says, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there was two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had very many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children, and it used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. And now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or the herd to prepare the guest who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. Wow. <laughs> said, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Did, did you go too far? Nathan said to David, you are the man. Oh, back. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm getting sick here. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave your master's house and your master's wives and your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to, the, to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite, with the sword, and have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword, 
of the Ammonites. Wow. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Wow. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. I mean, basically, he should have died. He says, nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. So the child, Lord three times, Lord, 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 the child who is born to you shall die. And it said, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. I think we would stop there. You know, we, you, you get the rest of the story. The child dies. And, and in the process, David fasts for the child. And then for, for a few days, he fasted, put on sackcloth and ashes, and then the child died. You know, so God keeps his promises. So the one thing I want to say is that if you sin, the Bible says that sins against the body or the flesh, that's having sex outside of marriage, um, there's, there's consequences. You might get STDs. You might get, get somebody pregnant. You might get AIDS. Who knows? You know, there's consequences to sin. There's physical consequences. And God doesn't want you to do that. If you keep the marriage bed holy, he will take care of you. I just promise you. That's his word. That's what he says. So, So I want to look at, if you'll pull up Psalm 51. I kind of want to walk just through the progression of what happened. If you think about it. He, he let his eyes wander. And when he did that, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible and I, can't remember where it is now, but it says, the, the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, those are the three things you need to keep yourself from. You need to watch yourself from. And, and this is the first one, the lust of the eyes. He, he looked on her, and he let that lust, First John 2, 16, read it. Thanks, Caitlin. You got to take your mask off, though, so we can hear you good. Yeah. So he, he had the lust of the eyes, 
and the lust of the flesh that he fulfilled both at looking at her and, and following through with it. And then the pride of life was that I can't, I can't let anybody else find out about this. I got to take care of this. And, and he, his pride stepped up and he, he had Uriah killed. And then he took her as his wife, tried to cover up his sin. So all three of those things were in that. Um, so those are the warnings. So the question is, what do you do? This is David's heart. I love this. Psalm 51. It says, have mercy on me, O God. I mean, this is, it says right in the heading of it that this is what David wrote after confronted from Nathan, by Nathan. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So first to be forgiven, he says, for I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. He'll never forget it. Consequences are going to be there. He says, against you, you only have I sinned. Even though we sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and the nation of Israel, David says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He, David realized, God, God saw all this. He knew it. And he knew this before, but he had forgotten it because his, his, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh took over, and he just let it take over him. He says, but so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face, your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me, and I love this part here, because this was David's heart. This is why he was a man after God's own heart, because he said, create in me a clean heart, God. Because he knew his was evil. He needed a new one. He said, and renew a right spirit in me, within me. And, and that should be our prayer. God, cleanse us, but create in us a new heart. Create in me a clean heart. It says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from my blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth, declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. You hear that? God doesn't want you to do things for him. He wants you to be broken. He wants you to have a clean heart, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Do good in Zion. In your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So you've got to take care of the heart before you can do anything. 
That's, that's, that's the thing. And for some reason, God wanted me to share this tonight because that's what I prayed and this is what I got. So I believe it's one of the more important things that we do in our life is to, when you realize you sin, deal with it. Confess it. Be broken. God wants a broken heart. I mean, when your heart's broken is when you're, you're in a position to be changed. You're in a position to, to have the power of God change your life. I mean, my life has changed. I was, I'm, I'm like David, and God got a hold of me, and I'm a different man. I never went back. Um, and I just know this, is, this was part of my whole process. Um, Psalm 139 is a powerful, powerful set of verses. If you've never read it, go home and read it tonight. Because it basically tells you that it's only 23 verses, I believe. But there's, there's a part of it that says there's no way you can run or no way you can hide. You, you can't go into darkness and hide from God. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought that you have. He knows everything about you. He knows your strengths. It's one of the things we talked about. And we know, he knows your weaknesses. We, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about that. And he knows all about you. But David said this. Will you find that verse where he says, search me and try me? I think it's in the end, maybe verse 23. or Nice. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see that there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So that, that's what God wants. That's part of your that should be part of your prayer. Every day. When you wake up in the morning, say, God, show me anything that I've been doing wrong. That I that I can I can do right. I want to please you. I want to live my life for you. But but search me and try me and show me. That should be our heart. That was David's heart. David wrote that afterwards. And, and, you know, we don't hear of a lot of mistakes as David after that, um, other than counting the people. He got filled with pride again and wanted to count the people. And that was, that was another sin he did. Um, because of that and his blood, he didn't get to build the temple that Solomon got to build. So, What I'm saying tonight is that, for one, I don't think David's child would have died if he'd have confessed his sins before the before it was Nathan came. If if he'd have realized right away and went to God and confessed his sin and went to Uriah when Uriah came, Uriah I screwed up. I was bad. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. If he had gone to Uriah and said that to him. Uriah would have lived, obviously. <laughs> the baby would have lived. Um, I, who knows what would went different? You, you know what I'm saying? But if he did, yeah, Uriah was, and he died. He's, he's in heaven. And, you know, but, yeah. He still treated David well. He respected him. He honored him in everything he did. David didn't honor him. So, I want to look at a few verses. Just to, just to deal with, you know, because I'm just saying, you know, First John tells us that 
anyone says he's without sin is a stinking liar. That's what it says, 1 John 1.18, right? We're all sinners. None of you are exempt. You've all sinned. I've sinned. I did some bad ones. I've been blessed. I've been, I've been washed as white as snow because I've taken it to God. I've asked him for forgiveness. And I don't go do those things again. You know, I've been sober 30 years, thank God. 30 years in October. So I'm, I'm going to say that 1 John 1.19, or 1.9, 1 John 1.9. So it's 1 John 1.8 that says that. So 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise. If we confess our sins. So when you realize you sin, when you're confronted, don't hide it. Confess it to him. Him first. Because it's to him and him alone that you've sinned against. Really. That's what David said. And it's truth because it's in the Bible. Okay. So we want to look at James 5. Verse 16. 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, great power as it is working. So what this verse says, I'm not telling you to go confess your sins to a gossiper. <laughs> you need to be careful who you tell the things you've done to. It needs to be somebody with like mind. It needs to be somebody who's a believer that, that's been praying for you. I'm, I'm not telling you to go tell this to your buddies and brag. It's about talking to somebody who you can trust, that you can confess your sins and that they're going to pray for you. That's what this is about. That's what he's saying. Find somebody, if it's Isaac, or if it's myself, or if it's, it's Caitlin, or Shaylin, or she's not here, Aunt. Anna's not here. She's coming. Katie, or, or Seth, you know, or, or your parents, you know. I mean, you need to, you know, if you've done something wrong, I'm telling you, it's, it's way better as a parent to hear it from your child than to hear it from somebody else and have to confront your child because I'm going to tell you that I'm going to punish you more <laughs> if I heard it from somebody else other than you. I want to hear it from you. And that's the same way God is. He wants to hear about your sins from, he, from, from you versus he having to send a prophet to come confront you with their sin. We were just talking about you, Anna. <laughs> we were. So, so, so that's... That's where that verse is. Confess your sins to one another. I mean, if you sin to somebody, if you've done something to somebody, you probably need to go confess to them. If you've stolen something from somebody, if you've broken something of somebody's, you need to go talk to them. That's biblical. You know, that, that's just, that, and it's hard. I'm telling you what, I, when I was a new Christian and I, probably about three, four years into the faith, and I was new in ministry. And uh, I just opened a checking account. 
and uh, under the name of Youth for Christ, right? And I went into the bank, and I got an account, and I was writing checks and buying stuff, and I, uh, I forgot to submit a uh, expense voucher to Youth for Christ for money that I spent out of the account. And uh, I didn't get it to them on time, and so I didn't get a check on time to cover my account, and my account went overdrawn. So I went into the bank. Didn't have a lot of money at the time. I took a big cut in salary and, and uh, you know, I had three kids, and, you know, money was tight, and, and overdraft fee was quite a bit. It was more than what I had in the account <laughs> at the time. And uh, the, uh, there was a lady there, and I told her, well, you know, I, I overdrafted it because I didn't get the check on time to cover it. And I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And uh, the lady says, yeah, okay, I'll cover you this time. She took away the overdraft. And, and I went home, and I realized what I said and I realized I didn't tell her the truth. I told her part of the truth. I didn't get the check on time because I didn't submit it on time. And it was, it was a guilt that I just had to go in and tell this lady, right? I expected that she would take the thing back when I told her. And so I walked into her office and I says, Ma'am, I, what I said to you was true, but I didn't tell you the whole story. And God convicted me. And so, you know, I... I I didn't submit my expense voucher on time, so I didn't get the check on time, and it was my fault. She goes, wow. She goes, do you know how many times people come in and tell me these stories? Quite a bit. She goes, no. I've been here 25 years, and not one person has ever come in and told me that they lied to me. <laughs> she goes, that took a lot of guts, didn't it? And I says, Thank you. You've restored my hope in humanity, she said. <laughs> um, you know, God wants us to confess our sins. And if you've done that, God's going to convict you and he's going to help you. It's going to make it better. I'm just going to tell you that that's part of life. Um, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Katie. This one's a crazy verse. Because if you sin and you do something bad, and then you get consequences, guess what happens? You get angry. You get bitter. Right? I mean, you guys all know that, right? It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander to be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God is in Christ forgave you. So he wants you to put all bitterness away because basically it destroys us. And there was another verse that I didn't write down, and it's basically it says that um, if you allow bitterness to get in, not only will it destroy you, but it will embitter the people around you. I didn't have time to look all these up, so I'm sorry because I had to work all day today. So I spent about 45 minutes putting this together last night, writing it all down. So it's okay. Sorry. Um, 
You guys are going to have to look that up, okay? You have to find that verse on your own. You got Google, type it in and say, what verse says that if I get bitter, will I defile others? And you'll find that verse, okay? Maybe you can do it right now. Let's see, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. So what he's saying is, is if you, you're going to give your offer, offering to God and you remember that you broke something of somebody's or you stole something of somebody's, you, he says, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So God's saying, go deal with your sin first. Go take care of it before you get it from God, before you take it to God. He, says, he, he wants you, you, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. Take care of it. If you've got somebody that you've messed around on, did something to, take care of it. Okay, this one here, this is a verse that has bothered me since I read it the first time. <laughs> Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Do you hear that? If you've sinned and you haven't dealt with it, God can't hear your prayers. Not that he doesn't want to. It says he can't. It's your problem. It's not his problem. That's a tough verse. That's a tough verse. God, God's saying, if you've got sin, you need to confess it. You need to deal with it. You need to come to me and ask for forgiveness. If you harbor sin in your heart and you say, I'm going to keep doing it, then you pray for your mom to get healed or you pray for somebody else to get healed, God can't hear you. Can't. Because he wrote his word and he said that. And he's got to do that. So if you want your prayers answered, you have to deal with your sin. Don't shake your head. Say, okay. <laughs> I'm, I didn't write it. God wrote it. He said it. I didn't say it. He says. Read that. Put that back up again, Katie. I, I just, the first verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. He's saying, I can still heal. I can still save you. He says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. It says, your sins have hidden his face from, from you. So that he does not hear. Those are, tough, those are tough words. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, ooh, i got to deal with my sin. <laughs> That's what it's saying. 
you got to deal with your sin. You got to take care of it. You got to confess it and you repent. That means turn from it. Repent means to turn from your sin, not to continue doing it. Yeah, I remember my wife and I, before we got married, lived together. My wife, did I hear a gasp? We did. I, I mean, I, like I said, I drank until I was 31 years old. I was not walking with God. I mean, from the time I was about 17 years old, when my mom split my, with my dad and took off and walked away from us kids, I got pretty angry at my mom and God and didn't live a good life for a while. I was pretty selfish. I kind of did my own thing and turned my back on God. It's not that I stopped believing in him. I got bitter. I let the bitterness get in. And it defiled me and many. And until you deal with it, things aren't going to get any better. And I just remember Dawn's dad, she had like an ulcer happening. And her dad said to her, who was not walking with Jesus at the time, <laughs> said, it's not a doctor you need, it's a pastor, it's a preacher. <laughs> you need to go to church, young lady. <laughs> That's what he said to my wife, <laughs> with me in his, where I could hear him. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we started going to church after that, and our life changed. I mean, words of a father-in-law helped me to come back to God. Put my faith in him. Because, I, you know, I realized that my wife needed me to change before she, she could get healed. It was just one of those things. It's part of God's formula. We put Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Don't hide your sins like David. <laughs> Confess your sins. That's what God wants. I mean, this was written by Solomon, David's son. He learned from his father. And God gave him wisdom. We're going to read a couple of verses here, and I think these are... These are two verses that can help you so that you don't sin. I'm just going to say, so will you pull up Romans 12, verses 1 and 2? I mean, these, I'm, I'm going to give you two, two of my favorite verses that have helped me to keep my eyes when I'm tempted. If I, if I, if I repeat these verses in my, in my mind, I wake up. Temptation goes away. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God wants your mind to be transformed. He doesn't want you to be conformed to this world, because that's what the world's telling you to do. Be conformed to this world. But God doesn't want that. He wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In this ne these next verses, will you pull these up in the New King James? 1 Corinthians 
Because I love the way this one reads. This is the way I memorized it. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Did I say first? So it wasn't that it, huh? I did. But I know what it is. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the King James says we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing that's raised up against the God. So that, it, it's, this is my polar bear alert. If there's a polar bear coming they, in, in Alaska, they sound the alarm. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but in Alaska, polar bears are big and mean and nasty, and they eat people, okay? They'll kill them and eat them, right? Especially a baby seal. So they have alarms. So when a polar bear gets loose in their towns, they got a polar bear alert. <laughs> so this, is, this was my polar bear alert, that when I was tempted in sin, I wanted to say this, because it, it got my mind focused on being obedient to Christ. And so that's my, that's my polar bear alert. It goes off in my head. <laughs> it's a good thing to have. So um, this morning, I was out. You know, I, I get to take about a 20-minute break. So I got done doing my work. I was working, and it was time for a break. And Don was going to leave pretty soon, so I had to go shovel the, the sidewalk and the driveway so that she didn't make tracks on it and leave them overnight, right? So, so you got to shovel it before they drive on it. So my wife was going to leave. So I went out to shovel. And I, I just got done. And my neighbor came over and says, how come you don't got your fancy snowblower out there? Bought a new snowblower last year, right? Pretty cool one. Well, the last time I used it, it sprung a leak in the gas. It was leaking like a sieve. And I says, well, it's leaking gas. He goes, really? He goes, that should be something simple. He says, you know how to fix them? He goes, Let's take a look at it. So I went in, and it took us, I don't know, 45 minutes to take it apart and find a washer. All it was was when they put the, 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 uh, the screw into the bottom of the, the fuel pump and all that stuff that they put it on too tight, and it broke the washer. It was just leaking out underneath where the washer was. And so he helped me. We did it, and we got done. I went in the house, and it was like... Gosh, that was out there an hour and 15 minutes. So I was more than my break. I get a 15, 20-minute break. So I could have went, oh, well, right? The thought popped in my head. Well, just get back to work. Don't worry about it. It's like, no. <laughs> no. So I just sent an email to my boss and said, I, uh, my neighbor came over and helped me fix my snowblower. Took me an hour. So I need to take an hour vacation time if that's all right. He said, thanks for letting me know. So, I mean, it's, I was tempted to just go to work, not tell anybody. I'm working at home. Who knew, right? God knows, right? So I, I sent him an email, and he said thanks, and I put it in the calendar, and I took an hour vacation. So, so that's what you do. You know, when you're tempted, you have to do what's right. 
You have to do the right thing. It's going to cost you if you don't. I could get fired. I mean, that's time card fraud. That's stealing from the state. You can get fired for it. So you don't do that. You know, God knows. He's going to take care of me. Um, we're going to get into small groups in a minute. and We're going to kind of talk, and I've got, I've got some questions. But, but one of them is, you know, for me, the last night I drank, I did, I almost did a bad thing. I almost did a bad thing. Well, I did by drinking. Um, but I almost did a really bad thing. And uh, God woke me up in the midst of it, and I didn't. And I'm so thankful. But I came close, and when I read these verses, God spoke to me and said, I mean, I was a brand new believer and just started reading God's word. And, you know, he says that his word is alive and living. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when I read it, God spoke to me and said, you need to confess to your wife. What happened? She told me if I ever fooled around on her, <laughs> you know, we were done. That's what she told me, you know, just don't do it. Don't let it happen. And I came close, but I didn't. But it still didn't change the fact that I came close. And God told me, just trust me. Tell her. It was hard. You think talking to the bank teller was hard, <laughs> or the bank lady that did the overdrafts. I went to my wife, and I told her, you know. At the time, we got two little kids, and... uh I started crying, and I told her, you know. I prayed, and I told her, and she, uh, she just hugged me. says, I love you. I love your heart because you trusted God, and I trust God. I forgive you, you know. Um, we're, we're one because we trust each other, and we tell each other things, and we confess when we do something. And... God helps us. So I'm telling you that if you trust him, he's going to take care of you. He's, he's, going to, he's going to lift you up. You become holy when you trust him. When you ask for forgiveness, he washes you as white as snow. And that's his promise. And so we're going to ask some tough questions in a bit. I just want you to be honest. I want you to, to start working through your process of learning. If you haven't learned yet, if you haven't thought through it, of confessing. Okay? So let's pray. Father, you're God. You are God. You are the, you are the lifter of our heads, the lifter of our hands. You are the, the king of kings. You are the righteous one. You are the holy one. You are, you're our hope. You're our salvation. You're our friend. And you're the one who, who helps us. And so, God, I just, I just lift all of us up to you tonight and pray that you would help us, Father, to be honest, to, to grow in our faith, to, to, to live a life that's holy for you. God, that you would, you would teach us how to, 
how to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we would, we would take every thought captive to your obedience, Jesus. That you'd help us to do that. That you'd help us to, to get right so that you can hear us. God, if there's anything that's holding us back, help us to confess it. That you can forgive us and you can hear our prayers. Father, we love you and we just lift up tonight and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.